Welcome back to the Craft and Career podcast series featuring conversations with professional creatives from the arts, entertainment, and media industries. Here, we explore various approaches to craft and career, and even consider how those two can sometimes work together. I'm Derek Webster, Senior Associate Director for Creative Careers at Yale's Office of Career Strategy, and I'm excited to welcome back our guest, Brooklyn-based performer, writer, and educator, Zena Ellis, Class of 15. Zena, so glad to have you back on the Craft and Career Podcast. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. So we tracked so many interesting things last time. We touched on the entrepreneurial aspect of being a performer and artist. We talked about community of practice. We talked about important logistics and the unseen things. Those stuff, sometimes they get stuffed in the corner, but they're actually a really important piece. We talked about the big frame of career and the longevity and sustainability that's elusive, but an important piece for this and not a natural element for a young creative to think about. So all of those are things that you know I'd love to pick back up and go a little bit deeper. Deeper. But I'd, I'd also like to start with just a sense of, I mean, maybe just an, a, a chance to talk a little bit more about how important it is that you have pursued this in a well-rounded fashion, right? Mm-hmm. So I know, mm-hmm. I mean, as an undergrad, you know, you were talented in so many different ways, and and you had the voice, right? It was, it was, it, 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 you could you could hear it from from a mile, and it was beautiful. <laughs> but like, you didn't stop with that, right? Like. Mm-hmm. into the comedy, into the acting, doing serious, mm-hmm. you know, straight role and, and those sorts yes. of things, knowing that there it's, it, it can never be just the one thing. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit more about how you recognize that, how important that is and how that has helped you moving forward. Right. I, I think that there are, hmm, what do I think? I think that like craft improvement is, is always important. And for me, what that has looked like is, continuing to study voice has been super important. Um, I have a teacher who's more focused on legit singing, classical singing. And I also work with another teacher who's more focused on belting and contemporary styles. And I think, especially with the state of the industry right now (laughs) in musical theater, you need to have at least some level of comfort in pop styles. That's just very much where, where the industry is at this moment. Although I also think I I maintain that legit singing classical training is so important for sustainability. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's just, for me, it is the most comfortable way of singing. I could sing in that style for hours and hours eight times a week, no problem, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it's it provides the basis of, of any kind of healthy and sustainable singing. Yeah. So singing is one thing. Yeah. Then in terms of acting, and this may or may not be generalizable, but um, I, I think something that that I really appreciated from Yale, uh, from Deb Margolin that I quote to everyone is that acting is, is an emergency. This is her quote, acting is an emergency. And so you, you use whatever tools you have to, to solve the problem. The problem being, how do I most effectively tell this story? And so when, when I remember distinctly being in class and Deb was, would always say, Oh, I'm not, I don't really, subscribe to any specific method. Although I also think that a lot of actor training is secretly just Stanislavski in slightly (laughs) different clothing, but it's not so much about being married to one method, 
may be limiting because maybe you'll come across a part where the things that you typically do don't work. So remaining mm-hmm. open and flexible and yes, having what, what is most comfortable to you, but also being aware and open to, to learning other ways of doing things, I think is really important as, as an actor. Yeah. I, I, I love too, that, uh, that quote, I mean, Deb, so brilliant. Good. <laughs> um, um, but as an emergency, because in, in the same way, you know, you talked about familiarity, mm-hmm. right. And if we think, you know, the analog being an actual human life mm-hmm. um, where, you know, we might have proclivities, we might have certain types of personality, but there will be moments in our life where we have to fall out of that and, and try something else, usually in emergency, yes. <laughs> usually in a dire situation mm-hmm. where we learn that we're much stronger than we thought we were, yes. that we're much more adaptable than we thought we were. So of course, like shouldn't an actor in, in representing mm-hmm. life, like needs to be adaptable in those same ways. Yes. I, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Yes. And it's just so important to, to listen and be prepared, know your lines backwards and forwards so that, you could really just be in the moment with your scene partner and and respond to whatever they're giving you, right? Don't get don't get stuck with one way of doing things or don't get stuck in the way that you think you should do a certain thing because it's a conversation. Yeah. Something else that I think that I I do think is worth saying that for the bigger picture conversation about like a career about growing about making inroads is that special skills are really important. Singing is a special skill on one level, but something that I am not especially strong in and am slowly starting to come around to is, wow, dancing is a skill that is pretty darn necessary in this business. Like I just know for a fact I would work more if I were a stronger dancer. There are just Hmm. more opportunities if you are a strong singer and a strong dancer and a strong actor, you know? Yeah, yeah. So if that is something that you are comfortable with, definitely encourage people to develop that skill. Just again, more skills equals more opportunities, right? Yeah. But then some other skills that people may not realize are interesting are things like languages. Being fluent in different languages is always appealing. Accent work. I have experience performing in ASL. I'm not fluent, but but I've performed in ASL and that's led to some really cool opportunities and things like stage combat, sort of all of these different skills. Driver's license can be important. I had an audition last week where they're like, you need to be able to drive, playing <laughs> instruments, all of these things um, yeah. that you know may not seem obviously connected to your life as a performer can open a lot of doors because there are things that not everyone can do. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And and the comedy piece, mm-hmm. how did that was that always there? Did that slip in later? Huh. Did you recognize it was going to be important? Oh, well, my my high school drama club always did a lot of improv. We live we played mm-hmm. improv games. We did sort of improv every year as part of this big fundraiser at school. So that's sort of where I I started to get interested in comedy. And Yale's very friendly and supportive of of its uh, both its improv and its sketch groups, right? Yes, and I got into sketch at Yale very quickly. Are you read Red Hot Poker? Yes which was so much fun. I, I adore that group. And yeah, I remain like 
pretty close with a lot of the people from Red Hot Poker and a lot of the people from acapella and a lot of the people from theater. So, so yes, like all of these things are really exciting and comedy too is definitely another set of skills. Like not everyone is comfortable being silly and making a fool of themselves. So if you are comfortable with that, comfortable, for example, hosting a television show without a script, (laughs) all strengths in, in this beautiful business. And then you get, you know, you get to show up on the Tonys when there aren't writers. So Mm -hmm. exactly. (laughs) So you mentioned a couple of times in a couple of different ways, the importance of positivity, mm-hmm. being joyful, encouraging. And and you mentioned it in terms, and, and I think in a good way, in terms of you never know when just being the nice person in the room actually ends up, you know, mm-hmm. paying dividends that you, you didn't ask for, right. but like end up being important. Wondered yes. if you want to talk a little bit more about the broader rationale for that, right? Like, and, and how important mm-hmm. it is to leave a, to have a good impact, to leave a good trail behind you in, in, in the work that you do, the choices that you're making. I know your, your national tour did the mm-hmm. fairy godmother and by all accounts, yes. you know, incredibly impactful for all age audiences <laughs> and such a, you know, uh-huh. giving friendly, joyful kind of performance. And, and just mm-hmm. having known you, you know, as an undergrad, like that, a lot of your roles, a lot of your engagement mm-hmm. had that joyfulness to it as well. Yes. Where do, does it come from? Why is mm-hmm. it important beyond just the practical to actually sometimes, some, sometimes the nice guy wins, but, but, but also mm-hmm. like, why is it important <laughs> in, in the bigger picture? Right. I, I mean, I think that sort of joy, positivity, encouragement, all of these things are just sort of my, my default way of being. I don't know. I, I'm from the Midwest, so maybe that's part <laughs> of it. It's just people are really, really friendly. Yeah. And so it definitely factors into every role I play. And I think that knowing that about myself is something that helps me see my way forward. You know, as you go through and as you read character breakdowns or as you decide things that you want to pursue, having an understanding of like, oh, okay, do I, does my energy naturally fit into this world? If it does, great. If it doesn't, eh, okay, I'll still pursue it. I'll still try, but you know, it, it allows you to, I think, have some, some perspective on exactly where you fit. So I have ended up doing like a lot of fairy tale, family friendly Mm -hmm. projects, just I think probably by virtue of, of that energy that I give off. Yeah. Yeah. This industry is all about relationships. Like it cannot be overstated and, and people just like to work with people they know. And if they know you and they know that you're a reliable person and will show up and do your work, (laughs) know your lines, hit your marks. Not everyone can do those things. Not everyone is able to be kind and friendly and graceful to their castmates. Not everyone is able to, you know, if a prop falls on stage, are you going to freak out about it or are you going to pick it up and (laughs) and keep going? You know, (laughs) all of these things sort of contribute to your reputation as, as a performer. So, so yeah, a lot of it does come naturally, but also a lot of it is a conscious decision of like, Hey, this is not life or death. Most of the time, <laughs> we're all just here to create something together. We're a team. We all have something important to contribute. And that I think is what, again, makes you more appealing as a collaborator. But it also, I think coming from that place and remaining in that mindset gives you, again, longevity in yeah. the career. Yeah. 
Another angle that you took prior um, in our previous conversation was the importance of self-care, which I think, you know, it, mm-hmm. that's, that is bound into that whole both mm-hmm. entrepreneurial and also real life. Like I, these things have to add up and I actually have to you know mm-hmm. survive this and get enough sleep and, and, and take care of the instrument and all, and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Together also, I think you mentioned something that was sort of one of those components of self-care was different categories, including spirituality. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a big word that can mean a lot mm-hmm. of different things. But I just wonder, it's yeah. one that doesn't always get you know, approached very directly. Mm-hmm. And and as creatives, I think we often have mm-hmm. all kinds of different spiritualities and they're mm-hmm. all important. But I was wondering for you, finding the room for it, nurturing that, mm-hmm. leaving space for that on top of the, the grueling other side that you're doing. Right. Um, what does that look like? Right. So to me, I think that my definition of this or my approach to this is very much a introspective mindset mm-hmm. thing. So really, I guess on, on multiple levels, understanding myself, understanding what I have to bring and really getting in touch with what I truly want from life, from this industry and supporting my own self-perception. So sort of this is this is all a little unstructured but by, by its nature but though right? Like- <laughs> yeah, right right like understanding who i am what is important to me what am i really good at where do i have to grow like all of this deep self-understanding is what allows me to it provides the foundation for my work and, and helps me be resilient and helps me to keep moving forward again also like understanding hey i believe in my abilities and whatever is going to happen is going to happen there are so many things outside of me that contribute to me getting a part or not getting a part so i just really have to show up do my best work and then let it go yeah Yeah. (laughs) which is a long journey. And some days there's still, uh, there are still times where I'm like, oh, that audition a year ago, I really wish I'd gotten that part, but <laughs> that's not a productive way of thinking about sure. this business. And, th- and that's self-care <laughs> territory on a, on a psychological, mm-hmm. mental, even spiritual mm-hmm. level, like feels like it feels like an important component and one that gets underexplored, right? Mm-hmm. Because creatives are constantly having to deal with these massive existential kind of questions about who, who am mm-hmm. I and why am I doing this? And, and is it even working? And, and we're not, none mm-hmm. of us are in these industries that they're just, they're famous for being very negative feedback, you know, what didn't work critical, yes. like, and so, so I, I like hearing that that's something you've identified, you've worked on, mm-hmm. you've brought into a centering. And I think that could be an important mm-hmm. thing to kind of spread out there with a younger creative audience to know that you've got to mm-hmm. work on that part too. One, because mm-hmm. it'll help you. Like it'll, 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 it'll yes. center you in a really healthy, you know, self-care kind of way. Another, because mm-hmm. I have a feeling that some of the work that you've done in that direction is, is why you can be friendly mm-hmm. and joyful and enthusiastic and, and all those other things, which yeah. other people in your situation would have mm-hmm. a very hard time doing the, the prop drops and they freak out, you know, like <laughs> be, right, because so right. many creatives are right on the edge of the thing and like never leave room for the breathing. Mm-hmm. So just wanted to kind of underline yes. that as something that, that might be identifiable as one of your strengths. Yes. And, and you've actually reminded me of something that I also think is really important that I was maybe talking around, but I want to really pinpoint, which is it's just so important to have confidence in yourself and and in what you bring to a part. Because I think sometimes 
we get imposter syndrome. We wonder about like, oh boy, like I got this part, but wow, so-and-so is also out there and they're really talented and all of these things that, that, that your brain thinks about naturally, but you just really have to understand that there is no one else in this world who can do what you can do. And there's sort of, yes, there are, there are notes that you can hit that sound a certain way. Your voice is never going to sound like any other person's voice. Just like your instrument is your instrument. And that's what's so exciting about this career. And so having that, that sense of this is who I am. This is what I bring to a part. If you would like to work with me, great. If you see me as a collaborator in your vision for this piece, great. If you don't, that's okay because I am still okay with myself. I understand myself and I'm comfortable bringing the many things about myself to whatever project, you know, not trying to force yourself to fit into other people's ways of doing things. Yeah. I like that. All right. So I've got a couple questions that come directly mm-hmm. from my wife and kids are big musical fans. Um, and so I mentioned that I'd be talking with you and they wanted to, you know, ask a couple of questions. And actually, Yay. some of it you were already touched on. So I'd love to dig a little bit deeper. They mm-hmm. had they were wondering your thoughts on kind of the popularity of like the jukebox musical. I think you kind of touched, mm-hmm. you know, talked throughout the, the yes. popular versions of that, whether that's a good thing, bad mm-hmm. thing, both. And, and in what mm-hmm. ways can it be a good thing? And then yeah, they definitely they, they called it they called it <laughs> strelting. Which, you know, and and, and are you, (laughs) you know, what do you think about that in terms of, and specifically Uh knowing your background in the strong technical training and those sorts of things, what are your thoughts? And you mentioned like there's classical ways of you you could sing all day and feel great about, and then there's Mm -hmm. the skelting version, which like you do one performance Mm -hmm. and you're shot. Like, so, so what do you think that might be a trend? It might be just what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. What do you think about it as a landscape for a young performer to Mm -hmm. navigate? What do you think about it personally? And, and do you think it'll be shifting anytime soon? That's a great question. I I definitely think jukebox musicals are a lot of fun, but I I confess that I'm a little more old school just in my personal taste. Although lately the jukebox musicals I've seen have been really, really self-aware, which is pretty Mm -hmm. fun. Thinking about both Anne Juliet and Once Upon a One More Time, where they both, you know, kind of (laughs) bend over backwards in their plots to make the the pop song that's not really about anything and makes sense dramatically. But they've also done some really, really smart and clever things by like breaking up with the lines in the songs, turning a single song into a conversation between characters in a way that I think like really makes sense dramatically. So I think jukebox musicals are here to stay. And I think financially, they just make a lot of sense because people are familiar with the songs. They're excited to hear somebody sing that song they like really Mm -hmm. well and do a great dance while they're doing it. And I definitely see the appeal and I've had a lot of fun watching those shows. But I do confess my personal taste is a little closer to or exactly Stephen (laughs) Sondheim's. But I also think that for young people, especially for people just coming out of school and entering the industry, you have to know about pop songs. I know when I was in school, I spent a lot of time working through the decades of musical theater history and exploring songs from all of those eras from the 20s up until now. But now it's important to 
have pop songs from all of those eras as well, because you've got like your beautiful, the Carol King musical that's going up at basically every regional theater right now. So if you have a 60s pop song and you're comfortable in that style and have an understanding of that style, that makes you a strong performer. 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, aughts, all of these things. There's like, just as you must be familiar with the musical theater canon, now the pop canon is just as important. Who knew that Green Day was going to one day be such a player in the (laughs) musical theater space? (laughs) Right, right. People are doing American Idiot with regularity and and more where that came from. Yeah. So a couple of things I wanted to sort of land us with. You're, Mm -hmm. You're coming from a direction which I think, you know, for our, for for musical theater interested, but also just like performing in New York kind of interested students, Mm -hmm. I think you've already given us like such a great introduction and thinking through some of these things, Mm -hmm. wondering if you could, you know, kind of tailor for us a couple of kind of exit advice sort of things. If you had like the one piece, right. And you've already, you've actually already dribbled in some Mm -hmm. really great stuff along the way, but but, but like (laughs) if there's the one lasting, like, okay, this is the thing I want you to carry with you for someone, Mm -hmm. particularly someone coming down a similar path, right? A lot of musical theater Mm -hmm. background, maybe New York, maybe some other place, but they they know that they're going to be landing here. What should they be thinking Mm -hmm. about? What should they be doing? Yes. Okay. This may be a bit long-winded, but I just want to say it. You always hear those people saying, if you can stand to do anything else, do it. And I think that's overly dramatic and like not a particularly helpful (laughs) way of thinking about (laughs) about this work. But uh, as I've mentioned before, I do think it is useful to build a solid foundation of your love for the work, of your sense of self and a solid foundation of actual technique (laughs) so that whatever the world throws at you, you are able to handle it like on and off stage, really cultivate the sense of pride you get from a job well done, not just from working on stage, not just from the applause, but from like performing in your living room for your self tape that you're like, I don't even know if anybody's (laughs) going to watch this. (laughs) But if you can get a sense of, of fulfillment and growth from the work every single day, that's what is sustainable. So yeah, like thinking about this redefining success beyond here are how many things I booked and and understanding what the smaller steps and what the everyday work looks like. And I also think I, I'm floating this because this is also important. Start a business and or find a unicorn job that really can play nicely with your creative work that is flexible because Even if you book Broadway right out of school, there's no guarantee that you will continue to work. There are no guarantees in this business. So whatever you can do to sustain, keep a roof over your head, keep eating (laughs) is is worth doing. But again, I think entrepreneurship is a strong way to provide that, even though. It's like your creative life is a business and your (laughs) entrepreneurial life is a business. Everything is really self-driven, which is challenging, but that's what this lifestyle is. That's a great point too, though, because I mean, those entrepreneurial skills are skills that we creatives don't tend to think about all that much. And, and, mm-hmm. and we worry about, oh, well, we'll have a manager to do something. No, no, you'll, you'll, you'll be mm-hmm. doing that yourself. <laughs> and, and, and also like the idea that those are skills. If you're, let's say you're using them in a, in a, in a different unrelated 
fashion, but getting good at them, adapting mm-hmm. them, you know, mm-hmm. those are skills that you can then apply to the acting, mm-hmm. the the artistry, yes. the, the writing, like whatever it happens to be. It's not time wasted. Right. Like those are things that you can transfer over and then have a more mm-hmm. solid foundational type of a career in, mm-hmm. the, in the creative world. Even if you learn those things from doing something that was just, you only did it because it was flexible and they, you know, gave you the time yeah. off to audition or whatever, right? Totally, totally. And you never know who might need you to help them build a website or whatever else, right? There are so many ways that everything is connected. For sure. Okay. So maybe an example of a decision you made that was important, that was mm-hmm. meaningful, that that, you, that taught you something like, mm-hmm. like, like, because decisions get made all the time as you're advancing right. in these directions. What was an important one? What was kind of like a clasp version that were, you know, a hinge version mm-hmm. for your career thus far? Mm-hmm. So something that I think is worth mentioning and that I think about a lot is the fact that I moved to New York right out of school, which if I could do it again, or if I had the knowledge I know now, I don't know that I would do that Mm. again. But it's sort of it's sort of interesting. And I and people of my age are in an interesting place because COVID really did function as a major reset Mm -hmm. for for the industry in a lot of ways. So where I felt sometimes before COVID, like, oh, my gosh, maybe maybe if I were living in a different city, my my life would be different. In 2020, everybody's lives looked exactly the same. (laughs) Wherever you were, yeah. (laughs) Right, right. And so at least, you know, in terms of the industry. So that's something that that I think about a lot. And I I was always I I was frequently questioning whether New York was a place for me. And, And I think it's still something that people entering the industry should think hard about. And I know we're maybe running short on time, so I don't want to go too far down this path, but there are pros and cons of being New York based. But the industry, again, post COVID has shifted in such a way that you maybe don't need to be in the city of New York to have a life in this career. I'm so glad you said that because I mean, just that. I do know a lot of undergrads, a lot of you know seniors graduating, mm-hmm. they've got something in the DNA that says the lights are bust. And just to hear from someone who walked mm-hmm. this path, like knows what they're doing in this, has, has learned some lessons along the way, that it's not an absolute. Like there, yes. there are other options and you should be looking in other directions as well as you know, New York is an option. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. Yes, there are amazing theater communities regionally. And and I do think it's worth doing your research and talking to people. But New York is very much a kind of feast or famine sort of industry where the people at the top are are doing really well and having a sustainable life. And almost everybody else is really struggling and working their many other jobs. So there are towns like Denver, DC, Boston, Chicago. Those are sort of the big ones that I that I tend to think about that have thriving regional communities. Mm-hmm. Seattle is another really great one, Minneapolis, that have thriving regional communities where you will most likely work really consistently. You may be able to pay all of your bills just from being an actor in a way that very few people are able to do in New York. So if you have family in those places or have some other kind of support system in one of those other cities, I definitely think it's worth seeing what it's like and, and exploring that option. That's great. And and great to hear that said out loud. Um, I think that's extremely helpful. 
Okay, so last bit. Tell us more about what's going on with you on the horizon, different projects you've got going on. I'll do a just a quick pitch that I know you mm-hmm. and I are talking about doing some kind of a workshop, yes. something in in the fall. So more more to be determined in that direction. But I'm super excited to either get you on campus yes. or Zoom version or whatever it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll pin that in. But like, what else is going on with you? Yeah, I I do want to say I'm really excited to have some conversations with current students because this business is really weird and it has changed again. I I keep saying this, but it's just true. It's changed a lot since, since 2020. So things that used to be truisms are no longer as cut and dry as they, as they used to be just things are changing a lot. They're so much more flexible and just very different. And I've also just grown a lot as a performer as well over the the many years outside of school. So very excited to talk to uh, some some young people about that when the opportunity comes up. For sure. Yeah. And then something else that I'll say big picture is important is creating your own work. And that's something that I am working on right now. So I'm mid writing and compiling materials for a grant to produce a pilot that I wrote, a TV pilot. So I'm working on this and trying to, I'm in touch with a really cool director, a really cool producer, hoping to self-produce and perform in this piece. So trying to get the word out, raise some funds, get some grants, make it happen. And I'm also kind of in early stages of thinking about maybe remounting my, my Yale senior thesis project, which was a solo performance about the experiences of women of color in musical theater. So thinking about trying to remount that here in New York and maybe for some, some regional performances down the line as well. Again, I wrote yeah. it when I was in school and the industry has changed in some really big ways. So I have to like go back to the drawing board and rewrite and, and <laughs> reframe my understanding of the piece too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. All of that's exciting. You will uh, send us some links yes. so we can drop it in the show mm-hmm. notes, right? And Zina, it has been, as always, such a pleasure. Yeah. I very much look forward to picking this back up. And anyone listening out there who's on at Yale and on campus, we're going to be planning something this mm-hmm. fall. So keep an eye out for that. And yeah, let us know as these uh, projects are, are coming back around. And I'm sure we'd, we'd be happy to have you back on the show at some awesome. point. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks again, Zina. And to all our listeners, make sure to check back in for our next conversation with journalist, NFL analyst, and on-air personality, Mina Kimes. Until then, don't be afraid to use the word career, but always stay crafty.